What's up, George? Hey, Carlos. How's it going? It's going really, really well. How are you? It is going really, really well. For like, amazingly well and just very happy. Agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Yes. George looks fantastic, by the way. Thank you, uh, George. Share, share a little bit about your post today for those of you that, for those of you that people missed it. So I, uh, I moved out of the... So I started the year in the 250-pound neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And then about, I guess, four weeks ago, I moved out of the 250s and into the 240s. And then I moved out of the... Two, then I got on the scale today, and I'm in the 230s. I'm down 20 pounds since February. I have a similar story. I, 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 uh, I started the year, I started the year like around 210. And then, um, and then, you know, around April, I was around 220. And then now I'm about 230. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not that we lost the weight. It just found another place. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think you just gave it to me. I think that's. Thank you. I receive it. Thanks for I giving just, me the weight. I, I, we went on that nice run. Whatever, do you still weigh, like, what, we weigh the same now, finally? No, I, I weigh 215 now. Get out of here. Uh, you know. Yeah, I, gotta, I still got some work to do. I got 15 more pounds to go, but I'm happy. I'm happy because today, today, and now at this moment, as I'm speaking with you, I feel perfect. I feel great. I am comfortable in my own skin. And yeah, could we always weigh less? Yes. Well, that's not true. I mean, when you're overweight, could you weigh less? Yes. And would that be healthy to lose weight? Yes. But today I'm 215 and I'm not 285 like I was 10 years ago or yeah. nine years ago. So I, I'm good. I, I'll never like, I guess I don't remember you ever being that big, even though I'm sure I saw you, but it's so crazy that we were so big. Like I was 300 pounds at one point. Like crazy. And- I can't picture that either. I mean, well, when you met me, I started, remember I started CrossFit. I had already lost 80% of the weight. Yeah. So yeah. So when a lot of the people at Seoul, yeah, yeah, Beachbody, shout out to Beachbody. Um, Not so, a sponsored you know, podcast. Nope. Um, so, but uh, but yeah, but hey, man, we're doing good. But the point is, wasn't meant to make it about me. You look fucking fantastic. You look great. You look like you're you're like in like 29, 30 years old. You're fucking killing it. Congratulations, man. Carlos, you're very kind. Thank you very much. Yes, yes. Here we are, to, ready to discuss chapter four. So we were about we Wait, wait a second. Yes, I'm gonna wait. Uh, yes, yes. Happy anniversary. <laughs> it's been, I mean, now it's been like over a year, but it's we've been we've been doing this for a year. We this for a year. A calendar year. A calendar year has, has transpired. And here we are, not together. <laughs> not where we started. Nowhere near where we were when we started. But, nope. God, man, I really, like you said, when we started, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. There's, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Um, I'm super dialed in. I'm ready to... Um, Unpack chapter four, which really just dives in deeper 
from chapter three. It's a long, long chapter. Um, it's really... It, it is. It's insightful. I was... Yeah. I'll let you lead us along, Carlos. I mean, I, I mean basically, the, you know, the thing is, now I'm going to share with first what my experience was reading this book. Uh-huh. So this is the point as somebody who's in the mental health field uh, who believes and, and really, really helps people work on this stuff, um, who really believes in chapter four. When I got to chapter four, I was like, oh, you know, like, okay, I know this. This is fantastic. Yeah, was it revealing in some way? Did I learn about myself? Yeah, but I was like, oh, man, what else could this, I don't know what else the book could teach me because this, if we're on chapter four and I already know this stuff, and boy, was I wrong. Like, man, I was, yes, I got introduced to a lot of new things in a way, in, in a different way. And then as we move on to the chapters, it was like, I don't know shit. You know, I am like, you know, I am just listening and learning and, and reading and trying to get it all in. But anyway, back to chapter four. Chapter four is uh, the it's role playing, the many faces of the ego. So we talked about the core of the ego in this current state of humanity, right? Now chapter four, really it's the ego applied. Um, so it's really interesting. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine a couple hours ago, actually, and we got into it about ego and into it in a good way. We had a really healthy discussion about it. He brought up something I brought up in the first chapter, which is, you know, when we talk about separating thought from the ego or ego from the thought, we're not trying to rob anybody of any ambition or any drive. That's not what it means. The ego does serve a purpose, but we misuse it constantly. And so what, the, what chapter four really gets into is the, the roles we fall in and how we allow the ego to determine the roles that we fall in and the feelings and the reasons why we're so comfortable taking on these roles. And, and I think that the first question is, okay, well, how do I know the ego is in me? How, how, how do I detect it? And it's really simple. When you feel superior or inferior to anyone, that's the ego in you. We'll start there. So I'm going to say it again. When you feel superior or inferior to anyone, that's ego. So if there's any doubt or any like, oh, I don't believe in this ego shit or whatever, no, the ego is in you. So is it possible to let go of the belief that you should or need to know who you are? And that's where things start taking a really crazy turn in this chapter. Um, Defining yourself through thought is actually limiting yourself because our thoughts can be very distorted, especially if the ego is involved, you know? So that's where he kind of starts. That's where chapter four kind of opens up. Is that, is that, is that what you saw or read? Yeah, it was, um, I really got hit by, by a brick right in the beginning of, are we good? I just got a note. Okay. I just got something that my internet looks funky. Give me a second. Am I coming in okay? You're coming in okay. Okay, good. 
I'm going to carry on. You let me know if anything happens. Sure, I will. Um, right off the bat, like in the like, I want to say, yeah, like right off of like right into the second page, um, they start talking about uh, the two the, the two types of people. Um, people who I guess are shy, and then people who are um, very outgoing. Um, it says something like, behind every positive self-concept is the hidden fear of not being good enough. And behind every negative self-concept is the hidden desire of being the greatest or better than others. Um, which I can relate to in a way that I never saw put into words before. Because that part of... Behind every negative self-confidence is the hidden desire to be the greatest or better than others has literally been my inner voice since I can ever remember. And I couldn't understand. When I, I read that, I highlighted it because it, it stirred something in me. And I, was, I went on a run on my own on Sunday. And I started to think of when did the ego start to manifest in me? Um, usually they take, it takes about seven years for the child to develop it's a conscious sense of self and, it's, and everything kind of takes off after that, right? And so it's like I start to like look at my life between and the, you know how I do things in cycles of sevens? So it's like I look at like my, so if zero to seven doesn't really, I have very little memories that are outside of just me and my mom playing whatever, nice, cute. Right. Seven to 14 is a very different set of memories. Um, and then so on and so on and so forth. And then, so that's kind of like where I look towards to see where did the behavior patterns and the idea of me, my negative self-concept being a hidden desire of being the, to be the greatest or better than. And it starts there. It starts between the ages of 7 and 14 because that's when, you know, my sister's already born. Um, we start, we, we're growing up and I don't remember, it, it had to have been something with my parents where, like, we were being rewarded if we won. If we were the best, if we won, there was reward. Um, winners win. And it wasn't, like, it wasn't, it wasn't so beat, it wasn't so beat over the head as to say that if you don't win, then you're a fucking loser. But when you won, it felt great, and everyone celebrated you, and you just wanted to be the best all the time. And I remember the feeling of wanting to be the best all the time and it still consumes me to this day to the point that i do things and i can't enjoy the thing i mean fitness for so long got to the point where i couldn't enjoy it because if i wasn't winning then i would get angry and upset Mm -hmm. at things and then like count other people's reps and that guy's Mm -hmm. cheating and she's an asshole you know what i mean and so and i could not it, it literally blew my mind open when I, realized, when I was able to make that connection and to know that that's the, that's the, I feel like that's one of the causes of why my brain thinks the way it does and how my ego manifests in a way that is constantly telling me that you're a fucking loser, you're no good, why do you even bother, none of this fucking matters, why do you even care, no one cares. That's how it comes in. And it's like, it's insidious. Yeah. And then me trying yeah. to, con- you know, like figure out. And anyways, so I saw that. That's when I was, a- when I saw that there, plus like the victim stuff that comes afterwards, 
Um, it was very, very eye-opening, and it was... I'm having feelings that I... Feelings of relief in... in a, I'm having feelings of relief, which are great, but they're coming in moments where I'm having very, very, very high amounts of stress. Stress that is, like, unlike any stress that I've ever had before, because I'm aware of it, um, and I'm not going to share it here because it's none of your fucking business. Um, but I can tell you that when you apply what the fuck this guy says, you can literally, like, talk yourself off of the ledge that your ego mind puts you in all the time. Yep. Yep. This uh, is the frustrating part. This is where people get frustrated. People who enjoy their pathology. People who enjoy being negative, people who enjoy being anxious, people who enjoy being stressed, people who are convinced that life sucks, that life is shitty, right? And this is the point where, you know, you say, well, you know, it's, we, we learn about perception and, you know, we do, in fact, have the choice on how we're going to react to thoughts. It is a choice. No, you can't tell me that. You can't tell me that bullshit, da, da, da. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I, I'm not saying that if you hand me a turd, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to convince you that this, could, this is a gem, right? I, I will call it for what it is. This is, this is a turd, and that's it. You yeah. Know? You know, but what I'm saying is I, if how I feel about holding a turd, I can choose how I feel about that, Right. And, 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 and people, people don't want to accept that. No. And, and people, and, and very, very rarely do I speak to people in a way that's like final. Like I always acknowledge that there's another way or, you know, there's two ways of three ways, more ways of one than looking at things. This is one that I don't really, I'm not flexible on. I'm not flexible on this. Um, I, because there's too much proof and it's not even within me. There are people, I have met people. I met somebody recently who lost their 15-year-old uh, son. And the way he's handling it is proof that you get to choose how you view and how you perceive and how you react. So, you know, you can't tell me that it's not possible. If you choose to be negative because you've been in dark places and you got comfortable being in dark places and you identify strongly with being in dark places, then that's a choice. Um, so, and then, because that's like, basically we fall into 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 these roles you know and and uh before i continue i just want to share with you that what you're what you experience in that age you know i'm experiencing i'm i'm getting a chance to witness this development with my younger son my younger mm -hmm. son is extremely competitive and and it's almost like i'm i'm helping him through it but i'm starting to see from you know how the, the process and it's like it, it's 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 not about wanting to win is not bad, right? It's about how you interpret the loss and how you interpret the win, actually, because one win doesn't make you the greatest. You know, a lot of like if you watch the the the, the Michael Jordan uh, documentary, you'll learn that yeah, you know, he gets labeled as being an egomaniac all the time, but really he was never satisfied, right? I mean, he would accept wins and then, but he's like, it doesn't count until you know until we win the championship. And even then he's like, oh, he just always wanted more. But then on the negative side, you know, I see his interpret, like my, going back to my son, I see how he chooses to view a loss, and it takes over him. 
and the self-deprecating comments, the inferiority, the, the, the unkind comments to oneself, it's really uh, fascinating. It's fascinating. I mean, it makes you wonder if he does that because it makes him feel good to be taken cared for. You know, like if I attack myself and then all of a sudden people are like, no, no, you did good, you did good. That feels good, you know, you know, and I, I get, and I, I can't identify with the role of a parent. I'm not a parent, you know, it's not, I don't, yeah. I can't, I don't have to guide my puppies through the, through the torturous world of teenagehood because right. <laughs> I just want to make sure they eat their food and they go pee pee and poo poo and then they, that's it. I, dogs are like, for what it's worth. But I will, I wonder if we, there's things that you, we like, there's like, I guess I have a series of like, this is like a toolbox, right? And there's a, there's a bunch of like tools or like filters that you can kind of process information through um, to get to what the, what's at the root of what's bothering you usually, right? And right, so right. Like, am I taking it personally, you know? Did the loss affect, does the loss actually have like an impact on my actual life? No, it doesn't, you know, like it doesn't. Right. You, it hurts to lose because you want to win, but one has to win. win and, the, and then in the relationship of winning and losing, there can only be one of each, especially in team sports when it's head to head matches like in soccer. And so you were not on the better team today. That's why you lost. Right. Or you were on the better team today, but soccer is a game of points. And guess what? Your goalie sucks or the guy that they got lucky on the one point and that's it. Yeah. In the moment when they needed, to, when that ball needed to be where it was, it went into the other net. Yeah, yeah. and 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 those are, and that's like uh, you know, because basically we're we're entering the, the the part of you said it you know um, earlier like roles right yeah the role of the winner the role of the loser the role of the parent the role of the child the role you know like and what I love like one of the 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 passages I. I um, Actually, it's something I wrote down. It's not something I highlighted. It's when you are completely identified with a role, okay? So when you mm-hmm. have bought into the role that you think that, you know, that you should have, you confuse a pattern of behavior with who you are, and you take yourself very, very serious. So you also automatically assign roles to others that correspond to yours. For example, and it's from the, obviously all this from the book, when you visit when you visit the doctors who are totally identified with their role to them, you will not be a human being, but a patient or a case study, a case history. Um, so authentic human interactions become almost impossible. Actually, no, I take that back. He actually puts impossible when you lose yourself in a role authentic human interaction becomes impossible when you lose yourself in the world. And I think that's, that's like, to me, I, I, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, does that resonate, does that resonate with you at all when you're? It's the difference between going to watch somebody read a book and then someone tell a story. Right. An authentic interaction is like, I am here present and I'm going to talk to you. Right. Carly, you were here in front of me and I'll talk to you. As opposed to like, let's just read this book for an hour. 
And then, or like, you know, when you would read a book report out loud as opposed to the person who kind of presented along, it, that was, those presentations are always more fun and they're more interesting and, they're, and they mean more because the person is fully there, giving of themselves. And then there is this, and then there's the energy that's created because the, the, the audience is there as well, receiving it. Right. When you're having yeah. a conversation, something that I, I've always enjoyed sharing with you is I always felt like when we were talking, it was, you weren't on your phone, you weren't distracted, you weren't looking around to see who else. It was, you were in that moment. And those, those things um, are just, to me, are examples of the capacity of our, our ability to actually be there. Yeah. And not be thinking of what's five minutes from now. Because you can tell when you're in that mode too. Because you're anxious within, because you're like, I need to get out of this conversation because I have to be somewhere else. <laughs> but I don't want the person to feel, to not like me because we're friends. I don't want them to feel bad. <laughs> and then meanwhile, they're, the, the person's telling you like, oh, and I had this party. And you're just like, oh, yeah. And being like, I, I need to go. I'm so, you know, and I love yeah. you, but I got to go. Uh, yeah, it's, when I filter it through the idea of it's stop making it about yourself, which is like, I can, I can do that so well. And it has caused a lot of hurt. And I hear you on that. When I, when I have the thought and I know that it's me making it about me, stop. When I have the thought and it's like, um, I don't remember the other ones. Anyways, that's the one that was like the most obvious. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. oh, there you are making it about you. It's not about you. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and even and to take it a step further, even sometimes in the way you react to things, it, you, you make it. So I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll read this next note. The primary cause of unhappiness is never the situation, but your thoughts about it. So when when i when i read that it's like sometimes even in our own thoughts you know we we're so determined to make it about us that we're unable to detach the thoughts right Does that, yeah we're unable yeah, to detach the thoughts. it's that whole victim that, that victim that victim villain lover part of the of the of the chapter and i That's i highlighted right. this part and i highlighted because i was i i i I know these people, and I have been this person. I, have, I don't feel like I've been, I've, I've been this person for a long time, but it definitely like raises its head, and it's one of the forms um, that my ego shows up in, and it's, I guess it's the role of the victim. And it says, he writes, a very common role is the one of the victim, and the form of attention it seeks is sympathy or pity or others' interest in my problems, me and my story. Seeing oneself as a victim is an element in many egoic patterns, such as complaining, being offended, outraged, uh-huh. so on. And it's like, fuck a nut, dude. That got <laughs> me so good. And I was like, oh! And so it's like, okay, you're, if you're feeling offended, like, uh, or like, did they, nah, let it go. That. It's not about you. It's not about you. Right. Um, yeah, that, that definitely like resonates big time for me. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, it's, it resonates big time with me too. And just like you said, I've been that person too. 
and um, and and it's just so it's so easy to complain. And like we learned in the previous chapter, complaining is fuel. That is fuel for the ego. The more you complain, the more the ego is going to interfere. Um, and and it's just uh, it, it's just it's incredible what happens when you actually choose to to view it view a situation in a different way, which is going to alleviate the complaining, which will in alleviating the complaining already brings on this overall feeling of happiness and joy. Right? It's like the tension and, relief immediately the moment you are able to, and you can it you do it in the moment. You're like. I love the idea that I also love the practice of you can never, the ego can never exist in the present moment. And so my first thing is like, I always tell myself, what am I doing right now? So it's like, I'll say, I just jump into keywords. So if I felt like it happening now, I'd say podcast, Carlos here, like this is where you need to like come back to. If I'm like peeling potatoes and the next thing I know I'm going off on somebody at work in my head, I'm like, Oh no, water, hand, potato, peel. Like, come back, yeah. come back, come back, come back down to earth. That, and that, that, yeah, yes, man. And it starts building confidence in yourself because it's really awesome when you get to a point where you're like, no, there's no question. This is exactly where I need to be. I'm exactly where I need to be right now. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's thousands of people or hundreds of people might have a certain feeling about it. They might feel that I need, I need to be doing something else at 930 at night. <laughs> You know, but you know what? Like that's okay. They can think that, and 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 they can swim in that energy because I know that I am exactly where I need to be. I don't want to be anywhere else right now, uh, and uh, and I'm exactly where I need to be. And if people can get comfortable with that and believing that, and sometimes, you know, you're talking to somebody, and the ego says, "Why am I talking to this person?" Right? And you know, and I don't really associate with that person. Well, you've made a decision there. You made a decision already, uh, and, and you've created a preconceived notion, right? So now, you know, the conversation is not going to be as meaningful or rich as it should be, right? So, you know, if, but if you, if you, you know, get used to get the habit of, you know, oh, I'm talking to this person right now, you know, here, George, in front of me, here, right now, he's speaking, there's nowhere else I need to be right now. Like, maybe somebody's waiting for me in 15 minutes, but if I have a good concept of time, and sometimes when we don't want to speak to somebody, a minute can feel like 20. But if you get it good with time and you get good with now and you realize that giving a person three minutes is not a long time, it's not going to delay you, it's not going to throw off your day, and you can, if you're present, you can actually have a really rich experience with this person. And, uh, and, and, and it's amazing. The, 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 the whole thing of presence is amazing. Sorry. No, it's, I, I, we just keep volleying back and forth. Like, you'll say something, I'm like, I agree 100%. This is like the love fest 2020. Um, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> it is, it continues to impress me. It continues to reveal, it's how easily, I mean, how accurate I believe this, what Toll is writing um, and how well it works. Um, right. Only through my experience. I love reminding myself when I start to get, you know, when I start to feel anxious about the moment that I'm in or the situation that I'm in about stuff. I, the, he writes there that if you just accept the moment that you're in as if you chose it and live it like you chose the situation that you're in, 
instead of wondering how you got there or what else you could have done, you relieve yourself of suffering and the solutions reveal themselves. Yes. And if you avoid, and the tension that you feel and the anxiety that you feel, most likely it comes from the fact that you're, it's not something, it's, you're resisting what needs to be done. Right. Yeah. It, it really is a sense of acceptance. It you really cannot is. change what has already occurred. You can't. You can't. You can't. You, the only thing you can fix is your behavior and going forward. That's it. And for some, for some situations, you know, the only, it's scorched earth, you know, with relationships. If you're in a relationship and it's like really, really hard and you're reading this book and all of a sudden things are making sense for you and you're like, fuck, 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 fuck. Why the fuck did it take me so long to figure all this shit out? Well, guess what, kid? That's not where you need to be. Fine, great. You figured it out. You don't ever have to make those mistakes ever again. And That's the right. next, and if and if you're lucky, the person and you and that person never have to deal with those shits ever again. And you guys can live like a very nice moment, and you be free of all those worries and suffering that you've been through. Or the or the shit hits and you go somewhere else, and you don't have to make those mistakes ever again. Yeah, and you're free of that, the freedom that comes from knowing that you don't have to live with suffering. Right. Is worth the $17. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, so here, this is my theory. You know, this is a, this is a theory. I, I, sometimes I'll recommend this book to somebody and I will use this chapter as the determining factor because this is the chapter that fucks with people's comfort. Okay. So I'll read, I'll, I'll read the next two notes. Facing facts is always empowering. Be aware that what you think to a large extent creates the emotions that you feel. So the book, what it does is helps you see the link between your thinking and your emotions, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the part where some people will just close the book and say, fuck this. I don't know why I spent $17 on this book. And that is the very simple concept of unhappiness covers up your natural state of well-being, insinuating that our natural state is to be well. Our natural state is not to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. which a lot of people think that unhappiness is the natural state of human, right? Mm-hmm. Of human emotion. So unhappiness covers up your natural state of well-being and inner peace, which is the source of true happiness. So now I don't want to seem cold or I don't want to seem insensitive. There are people who have gone through very, very traumatic events in their life, and they read something like this and call bullshit and Mm -hmm. say, no, I don't accept this. I'm very comfortable with my role and how I've taken on this role of being a victim to this trauma. Um, So, And I acknowledge that. I would never, ever discount someone's trauma. Some people have gone through some very fucked up shit. And they're not ready for a book like this. They got, there's a lot of other things they need to process before they can read something like this. Mm-hmm. So, but if you have not gone through a trauma, but you're a type of, you're just a person that's gotten, has identified strongly with being unhappy and miserable, 
then this is, this is the point where you would close the book if you didn't want to change that about you. If you, this is the point of conscious choice. This is the point where you say, I want to live a better life. I want to live a happy life. I want inner peace. I want to find this. And if you don't, the person who does not want that closes the book on chapter four, especially the free will part, the part of choosing how you react to your thoughts, realizing that unhappiness is, is a choice that's covering up your natural state, which is to be well. So if you continue on from this point on, then you have a strong desire to find that pure joy and inner peace. The title, the subtitle of the book is Awakening to Your Life's Purpose. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think it's a little misleading. Mm-hmm. Because, I, I, and I'll say this, why, and I'll say this because I, we're used to, I guess in this country, like fast and big results. Yeah. Right? We want big results fast with as little effort as possible. Correct. Um, and when you think about awakening to your life's purpose, oh, it's just like, well, finally, I'm going to read, I'm going to spend $17. I'm going to read these couple hundred pages and I will have my life's purpose. <laughs> and uh, if you can't, if you are not able to get past chapter four, um, you've, you've got a lot of work to do before you can find whatever your life's purpose is. Because um, you're not the... An awakening happens when you realize that it really is, the choice is yours. Right. That you can live... And I've seen in that, I was actually having a conversation with my housekeeper yesterday. Um, in a, and I've... I mean, I've, I've known her now for close to six years now. And... Oh, my God. Hold on. I need to turn this off. Thing messaging. Ooh, okay. And... Fuck, what was I saying? I just completely lost my train of thought because that fucking no, got interrupted by messages on my goddamn computer. Chapter four and how it's 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 a life's purpose, um, and how you know you need to uh, fuck. Now I forgot where you were. No, awakening your life. Yeah, you have awakening your life. It's is if you can't begin to understand right what you are meant to do, if you can't get past the voice in your head, the egoic thoughts. If you can't get past that noise, if you can't clear all that out, there's no way you can do the work that you need, literally, in your day-to-day, in your job, with your nutrition, with your... It's, it's applicable in all of these, in all of these like, facets. Um, because if you... You might read this, and all of a sudden you realize that what you're doing, you fucking hate. And you only did it because you're trying to make somebody else happy, or you thought that's what you were supposed to and you're just like, I need to find, run and find what I need to be doing, whether it's who knows, who knows, anything else, right? right. Um, I, the life's purpose isn't necessary. And I think also, like, it, it, it reinforces the idea that we in this country or, like, maybe we as people 
to assume the roles that we play as who we are and our purpose and what we do. Like mm-hmm. I am a, you know, I, my purpose in life is not to be the, an administrator. <laughs> it's definitely not. It's not. So I don't like, I don't come, it's not something that I, I when people ask me like, oh, um, you know, like, who are you? I usually just give them my name because that's who I am. I am George. That's it. Right. Um, not like, oh, I'm an attorney or, or I work with attorneys or, uh, oh, I run an office or, oh, I'm an athlete or I work out. No, it's usually just who I am. But I've heard it the other way around where people are like, and who are you? I'm like, oh, my name is blah, 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 and this is what I do. Right. Like, they're instantly, like, you're tied to that part. Or like, I'm a parent, I'm a mom, I'm a, mom, I'm a dad. Right. As if, right. like, you want to, like, people want to be able to identify them and associate themselves so that everyone can kind of just, like, know who they are. And then, like, my ego can see your ego, and we're just good to go. Right. Um, and uh, if we can clear that shit out um, and get to a point where we're just, we're free of that. We're not doing shit because someone else fucked up with us or we're not, like, it's not tick for tat. It's not, it's, you're really moving with a purpose. I think your life's purpose isn't, isn't like a destiny. I think your life's purpose is moving through it without, you know, feelings of like hurt and suffering. Well, it's so, I love what you're saying because we we enter we enter the part of awareness and how we read the 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 the, the title of the book and it says finding your life's purpose but the very first step and anybody who's listening who's a patient of mine they're going to know exactly what I'm talking about because I always always say okay well what do we do first we create the awareness. Somebody says, Carlos, why do I always think this? Or why do I react this way? Or, you know, what is, why, you know, or why, why do I, why does that person always push my buttons? And then I just go, okay, okay. First thing we do, what, what's the first thing we do? We, cre- we, we solidify the awareness. You are now aware of that. Right. And that is the liberation. That is the freedom right there. Right. Because that is the greatest agent for change. If there is awareness in you, you no longer need to believe in every thought you think. Yeah. It's an old thought. No more. Awareness means presence, and only presence can dissolve the unconscious past that's in you. And that is the beautiful part. That is, it's, it's distorted thinking. It's incorrect thinking. It's right. It's wrong. Whatever you want to, you know, we're, we're so quick to throw labels but as long as you're aware, and it all begins with awareness, because once you are aware, you are in the driver's seat now. Now you get to say, no, I am not going to think that way. I'm not going to look at it like that, because I don't fucking have to, you know, and, 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 and it doesn't serve me in any way. Or me thinking like that is not going to change the situation. You know, because if I just focus on things I have no control over, I'm going to be a miserable fuck. And guess what? Everybody keeps calling me a miserable fuck, so maybe I need to do something about it. And I'm not talking about me, but I'm saying in general, like, men, uh-huh. you know? 
And it's like, I'm, I'm a, it's not like, oh, I get called a miserable fuck all the time. Ha, ha, ha. I love being a miserable fuck because I'm just a miserable fuck. It's more like, oh, fuck, I don't want to be that. Dude, I was... I'm aware so, that I am that. I, I wrote today on Instagram, like, something to the effect of kind of plugging our show and where we're going. But it was, it was like a feeling I remember... I could, I, for a long time now, I've had feelings of like disdain and annoyance and wow. like kind of like meh and cynicism mm-hmm. and um, like anger and just all of that stuff with like the politics of the world and where we're at and the, the, the you know, and everything that happened and. It doesn't bother me anymore, right? In the way that it did before. Yeah, it doesn't. It, do, it just doesn't. It doesn't. And and it, it feels really good not to like have to worry about who fucking matters. Why it matters to anybody? Why would it matter to anybody else? Which is something that I just always go back to. It's like, oh, I don't want to disappoint my friends. I don't want to, like, have my family not like me. I don't want to be, like, dragged across the internet for not being socially conscious. But living in... The the space between my ears gets very fucking loud when I'm worried about what other people think. Yeah. And I am unmanageable. Mm. And that's not a good place. Nothing good comes from that point of view. Literally, like, I've, I can, the tangible evidence of that is very clear as well. Yeah, yeah. Drug substance and, abuse, anger, you know, irrational behavior, you know, tantrums, fighting, all that shit that comes from, like, pure egoic places. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, this chapter is, if I... Yeah. There are places. I mean, I, I mean, we're two people, right? We're, it's just the two of us here. But I'm sure that anyone who reads chapter four can find a version of themselves and how their ego has manifested and how their ego has sabotaged them um, in this place because it's literally all over the place. It, it, and once you feel like you've got one of it licked, it'll come. It'll find another place, and the next thing you know, it's there. Like. Yeah. Digging, digging a digging a little hole and in a whole new place it's like well wow that was that was fast yeah it's incredible and it's like and I love I love it because this whole process it's a lot like uh, when 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 you really commit to exercising and nutrition and it's very hard the first month and you mm-hmm. you, you you know you you get that willpower and you get the willingness not only the willpower but the willingness. To, to, to say no to certain things, to hold back on certain things. And then you're like, this is awful. Why am I even doing this? And then all of a sudden a month goes by and you feel amazing and you're like, okay, that worked. What do I do now? What's next? I want to keep feeling this, yes. right? I, and then so and it's, this book is very much the same. Once you try one thing, the one moment that you actually say, you know, I'm not going to look at it that way. I would always look at things that way didn't serve me, didn't do anything for me, didn't change anything. So how can I look at it differently? This is how I'm going to look at it. That's how I'm choosing. It's empowerment. It's action. Motion. 
creates emotion, right? So, you know, you are the being behind the doing, which is what he tells us, yeah. you know? Um, and, and, and then now um, there's what he calls, then there is being, right? And it is found in the still alert presence of consciousness itself, the consciousness that you are. Human is form. Being is formless. Human and being are not separate, but interwoven, right? So, you know, when it's, what, you get a whiff of that. You just get a whiff of that, and you're just like, yes, I want more. This is how I need to be living my life. This is why am I not doing, why have I, I've wasted so much time being angry, being resentful, being sad, being insecure, being anxious, you know, and, and, and really, you just become this different person. Then he starts talking about, sorry, I'm getting really excited now, but then he starts talking about one of my favorite lines, one of my favorite things that I tell not only my patients, but I tell other people and I tell my son, you know, I, I always say to love is to recognize yourself in another. And I'm a firm believer of the collective unconscious. I believe that all of us have had similar experiences just in different scenarios, but We've had emotional reactions and we can all identify with sadness and anger and, and, and fear and, and we can all identify with this. And, and, and sometimes we're so judgmental on one another because of the fucking ego and, 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 to, and to realize that to love truly and purely in a joyful way is to actually see and recognize yourself in another person. And if you are present with that other person, you will recognize something of yourself in that person. And it leads you to just be more forgiving. It helps you apply more meaning to what you're doing. You're being utilized in a way, but in a good positive way, not only for your own well-being, but for somebody else's well-being. And I'm just, look, we're not getting paid by Eckhart Tolle. I mean, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you get to this chapter and, and you want to keep going, now we're talking. Now this is, this is where the true change starts to occur. So going back to my point is pick one thing out of this chapter and just try it. If you're super cynical and have been negative all your life, and fine, out of the thousands of times that you've chosen to be cynical and negative, Pick one time to try something different and see, just see how it works for you. So sorry, I got a little passionate there. No, I love everything you have to say, Carlos. Like I, I stand up, I applaud you. Um, and I'm really glad because you reminded me of what I was saying in that I was, I was with my housekeeper and she was That's having, right, she asked me, um, she, she had some questions that she needed to talk about. And normally, in the past, I, um, I've always maintained a distance from people, mostly, I think, because I don't like getting close or I, I'm anxious. I don't know how to act. And so I maintain the distance as a way to avoid interaction um, with people that I don't necessarily know how to relate to. Um, and so instead, um, I was like, well, don't let fear be the, don't let fear, you know, be the motive that, or whatever. Like, don't let, don't, in the presence of fear, you can still move ahead. So be yeah. like, okay, we're going to 
this is what we need to do now. We need to go talk to, we had it, we sat there we, and we talked and it was a lovely interaction that I don't think I've ever had with this person um, on a very, 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 like, it was very deep, it was a very deep level for her. And to allow myself to be there um, in that moment and not be worried about what everything else was going on in my head and just kind of like let all that fall back and to, uh, to listen to what she was saying um, and understand where it was coming from to be able to, like all of a sudden there was no more fear. Like what was I ever afraid of? She's, She's always, I mean, she's always nice. I know that, but like, there was not, there was never anything to be scared of. You know, people like, I, I don't know. I don't tell you. Like, it's changed my perspective. Absolutely, um, no, it's it does. Completely it, it is a mindset. I was having a conversation with my boss, talking about you know relating to different people at the office, and I'm like, well, I can't do what you do because you're just so much more willing to like engage. I don't, I don't have time. Me, I don't have time for that. I gotta do this, and 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 I have to be the mean person around here because I'm the enforcer. So you have to be the nice guy, and I play the role of the enforcer, which I have now made a wall for myself, but doesn't allow anybody to get close, and then perpetuates the idea that I'm just like this like off-put guy, which I mean I'm not. Right, you're not. Oh, and there's a party. There's a party that says when you interact with people, don't be there primarily as a function or a role, but as a field of conscious presence. Just a person listening to yeah. another person. That's it. That's it. Really. Yeah. That's all. That's um, all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Just um, I'm, I'm just gonna go through a couple more here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why why does the ego play role? Because of one unexamined assumption, one fundamental error, one unconscious thought. And that thought is, I am not enough. Um, and that's, you know, so that's, that starts, you know, kind of giving the ego some fuel there. In form, you are and will always be inferior to some and superior to others. But in essence, you are neither inferior nor superior to anyone. True self-esteem and true humility arise out of that realization. In the eyes of the ego, self-esteem and humility are contradictory. In truth, they are one and the same. And that just punches me in the face every time. That just punches me in the face every, every time. A person in the grip of ego, however, does not recognize suffering as suffering but we'll look upon it as the only appropriate response in any given situation. Uh, and, and it's just, you know, like, and, and that, again, punched in the face. I'm like, how many times have I done that? I, I'm going to read that again. A person in the grip of ego, all right, however, does not recognize suffering as suffering, but will look upon it as the only appropriate response in any given situation. It's, it's crazy. I, I, unhappiness is an ego-created mental emotion disease that has reached epidemic proportions. And, and, uh, and, and, I think we can, if there's anything that we can all agree on, I think we can definitely all agree on that. Even if you don't continue reading after chapter four, I think we can all agree that unhappiness is an ego-created mental emotional disease that has reached epidemic proportions. People are suffering and they're choosing not to do anything about it. They're choosing not to, they're choosing to not choose how they react to a thought. I don't think they know, Carlos. Yeah, well, it's true. A lot of people are very unconscious 
are completely unaware of how unconscious they are. They just, yeah. it is a difficult life. It's difficult. There's, you know, it's really interesting. Um, I've seen when this book, you, I love how you apply this book um, through a mental health lens, um, especially for the people who listen to our, to our podcast. Um, and it, as it being like a beneficial, like you can apply this and your life can be instantly better right away um, from a mindset perspective, from like a productive set. It doesn't have to be like, uh, you know, and a new earth and I'm like, I'm the more spiritual, you know, I'm on a spiritual journey and this is a spiritual practice. And as well, if you, if, if you want to take it there, which is where I'm taking it, because it helps me relate to people who are very spiritual or very religious um, because I get it. I get it now because some people, when they have their, when their faith comes in the form of like their God, right? Like I have faith in God that God will, through God, I can do all things, right? Or through the power of Jesus, I can do all things. They say that through the power of consciousness, I can do anything. When I change the sentence and I apply this instead of that, it's the same thing. Yep. Through the yep. power of being conscious, through the power of presence, I can, I'm confident in my ability to do anything. I'm still gonna, there's still gonna be like stuff in the back, but you move ahead, you move through it, but you know, with the confidence that you know that whatever will happen, you'll be ready for in that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right, man. You got it. You got it. And... It's beautiful. I'm, I, 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 cannot, I cannot stress enough how major this has been right now yeah. for me. And I'm really happy that we're doing this. I I can I I knew I needed this, Carlos. I I think I needed this had to happen. I couldn't. I I don't know. Anyways, I don't have to worry about what what could have happened anymore. And that and that. No, but but it's worth it's worth mentioning because if if you're if this this would be something really cool if if you are just now getting into our podcast, uh, which by the way, you're late because we're, we're a year in. So yeah. we got a lot of catching up to Welcome do. up, welcome but, back. But, but, but if, if, if you go to that episode, and I forgot what episode it was, when everything started to hit the fan in this country, everything came together, the coronavirus, the political, social, everything, all the stuff, we had an episode when I listened to it now, we were in such a bad place. We were yeah. in, it, we, we, I did, I think back to five or six weeks ago and I was unhappy. I was miserable. I was, I, I mean, I just couldn't find anything. And, and I became guilty of getting comfortable with that feeling of unhappiness. I started embracing the uncertainty, but not in a good way, not in a, well, you know what, let me be present. So I I don't have to worry about the uncertainty. It was more about just enjoying being miserable about it. Yeah. And I, and so no one is immune to this. This is a, you know, day by day, hour to hour, minute to minute, breath by breath, 
process. And so what I was going to say, a really cool thing is if you go back to that, that episode and, and you start listening to the progression as to where we are today, it is owed to this book, you know? Um, and that's the kind of, that's the kind of work it internal working. That's the kind of intrinsic work that this book puts you through. Um, and and I'm we so, read it once wait. before. And we read it once before. <laughs> it's not like it's so, new information. Yeah. yeah. So but all just, that to say that I'm glad we're doing this together as well. So it's just it's it's hitting it's hitting clearer now than. I don't know if we had to read it. If I had to read it once just to kind of like lay a foundation to be able to go back into it with more detail. But regardless of the how and the why, it's clicking, it's working, and I am like forever thankful about that. I'm really Me glad too. that we did this. This is just and and like I said in the first time, the first chapter or the second chapter, one of those episodes. You know, I said it. I go sometimes it's one of those things that gets presented to you in a certain time of your life in the right and the perfect moment where you need it the most. And that's exactly when it makes the most sense. When I read it, maybe I was in a good place and I was just kind of reading it to like understand more about maybe, maybe if I recall correctly, I was reading it so I can apply it in my therapy more from a professional perspective, Sure. not a personal, not a personal perspective. So now it's just the timing is right. I was feeling a certain way. I acknowledged that I wasn't taking my own advice. I acknowledged that I was enjoying being in a dark place. I was sulking. I was choosing to be miserable. And, and again, again, it's not to say that we are ignoring the issues. Being an optimist, being a positive person does not mean you ignore what is going on in the world. It doesn't mean that you neglect what is going on in the world. It means that you look at it, you accept it, you embrace it, you choose to do something proactive and productive with it. And that's what optimism is. That's what positive, positivity is. Because, you know, we, we, by, by doing these episodes by doing these chapters and reading this book in the time that we're in today many people can take the stance of you guys are just doing that to ignore what's going on and trust me we're not we're in actually in a better position to handle these situations than most because we can look at it from a a, a deeper perspective and that's an egotistical thing to say and i acknowledge that and i don't give a fuck but <laughs> but but in all seriousness i mean um it's it's it was it was perfect timing so so yeah. thank you, George. Cheers, man. Where can they find us? You can find us on the web. We are at muakamedia.com. You can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to it now. So, hey, you found us. Tell your friends, Thanks. Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, basically anywhere they find podcasts, you can find us. Keyword search Media, and there we are. On Instagram, we are at Media. I am at George I. Sanchez. And you I am at Carlos.escanilla. Or if you're interested in music, live performances at Carlos305 Music. So, um, guys, thank you so much. Looking forward to chapter five. I'm going to start reading it tonight, right before I go to bed. The Get right button. on it. Yes. Oh, my God. Cool, child. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so I hope you enjoy this episode. And, um, that's all we got. George, thank you so much, man. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you, everybody. Bye, guys.